hey, bonus episode time. Woot woot! I've squeezed out a little extra time with Leanne Hoover of Cozytown Flowers to talk specifically about Dahlia Pest. That's right, all the big nasties are here. Japanese beetle, cucumber beetle, slugs, corn borer, army worms, and more. Leanne and I talk about our various strategies and greatest allies in the ever-waging war against Dahlia Mungers. And since this bonus episode is ad-free, I just want to give a quick shout out to our three great sponsors, Farmer's Friends, Growing for Market, and the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. Without their support, you wouldn't get to hear my lovely voice on the regular. So show them some support back, won't you? All right, time to talk pesties with my new Dahlia bestie. <laughs> Let's go. All right, I'm so excited because Leanne is back. Bonus session. This time is going to be all about pest control and dahlias, which is the thing that makes so many growers knock their head against the wall because, I don't know, cucumber beetles and slugs and corn borers, and it seems like everything wants to eat dahlias. <laughs> so Leanne, it, let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, now it's time to for you to get defensive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> protecting your investment <laughs> right exactly get out there and start knocking them all off but yeah it is it is really the thing that often will make people give up dahlias is the pest issues you know um even if you have the market for them even if you feel like you can produce them um you got the right climate on all these things the the beetle damage in particular i think is the one thing that sends most people over the edge so let's um well let's start with well, let's let's just do it. Let's talk about the dreaded organza baggies, those <laughs> little <laughs> filmy baggies that everybody puts over their dahlias. Do you use them? I do. I do. Yeah. And it's like the better of two evils, because here's the thing. I grew up in agriculture that sprayed everything and I am not continuing that process. I'm not 100% organic, um, but I would say that I'm moving towards a very sustainable approach that's very moderated. And here I am in a space that I created that my kids also enjoy. And if I do sell the cut flowers, they're going into the hands of my florists and I don't want them exposed to all of these chemicals. So every year I get better and better and I try to mitigate the risk to my own health and my family's health um, and others that purchase the product and also to the beneficial insects in particularly the, the pollinators we hear so much about. Yeah, yeah. So with that in mind, I try to... Um, every year take two or three pests because every year you're going to get a new pest that you yeah. have to research <laughs> <laughs> True. And, uh, and see what's out there that I can, you know, maybe not kill completely, but manage better. Maybe that's a better way to think about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one thing that I learned along the way of this new sort of new approach to farming that I've been adopting over the past couple of seasons, which I, I like to call symbiotic farming at this point, because I couldn't really. That's a good word. Yeah. It's like different than organic farming. In my mind, organic farming just means I don't spray chemicals or synthetic chemicals, you know, but you could do equally horrible things, you know, <laughs> to the mm -hmm. ecosystem. <laughs> and I also don't really necessarily consider it regenerative farming. I mean, I have no beef with regenerative farming, but it wasn't necessarily what I was trying to do either. But symbiotic farming seems to ring true for me because I want to embrace 
the symbiotic relationships that are already out there in the natural ecosystem and just try to plug myself into those instead of, you know, wielding a heavy sword and going around and, and, and enforcing my will on everything, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is, in my mind, what pesticides are. You know, it's just trying to um, work against nature instead of with it. So over the past couple of years, I've tried to really think about pest control as a way of working with nature and also understanding that pests are attracted to plants because those plants aren't healthy. There's something something a little out of whack with a plant if it is experiencing heavy pest pressure um, because pests are ultimately, you know, the, the um, garbage collectors of the natural ecosystem. You know, something comes in to eat it because it needs to be cleaned up. So I, I think that's been a shift in my own mentality too, is to stop being so angry at pests, <laughs> just wanting to do <laughs> genocide and think instead about, all right, we got to, this is a, um, yeah, it's just a community effort, you know? Yeah, and it's not a personal attack on you. Or your yeah, business. exactly. Every grower is going to have pests, especially every dahlia grower. So, so I, I, oh, yeah, to answer your question, I do use organza bags because I haven't been spraying anything on my blooms when they're blooming. Okay. And so I will take these bags. I use eight by 10 or eight by 12. They're big enough that don't smush the petals. Mm. And if I know I have an order coming in the next week, I'll go bag those cracked buds just to act as a physical barrier between the pest and the bloom that could be damaged. And so I don't, bag everything. Okay. I try to reuse the bags every year. I use the bags for multiple things for throughout my farm. They might actually collect tubers if some break off during um, digging and I want to keep the identity of those, you know, I'll, I'll use them for that as well. So um, yes, I use them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they're a fine system. Um, I do think they're very effective. My, my biggest beef with them, and I used them for two seasons, but then I gave them up because of the time consuming yes, effort of putting them on and taking them off and then going back out and putting them on and taking them off. Which so would be I'm, very valuable to have very firm blossom attachments. <laughs> right. Exactly. Lose. Yeah. The only ones they really work on are the balls. And then you <laughs> like try to bag a, a cafe and then you try to take off the cafe's bag. Horrible. And Horrible. You know, the, the head's gone. So it, it wasn't really effective for me. So in the end, what I what I've done here, and I really want to hear about all the things that you've done there. Um, I've worked hard at fostering habitat for songbirds, in particular, you know, wrens and robins and um, finches and all those little birds. Uh, they're phenomenal for pest control. So when they are happy in my dahlia patch, they consume ridiculous volumes of beetles and grasshoppers in particular. Those are their two favorite things. And those are two cucumber beetles, Japanese beetles, and grasshoppers used to be horrible pests for me. And the reason that I had the organza baggies, but since I focused on building up the bird population, I really have not had any issues with any of those pests since then. I had, I have like once one week a year, um, there will be cucumber beetles that come and kind of hang out. And then they I think they get eaten and then then there aren't any more. So I would encourage uh, dahlia growers to put um, water, like bird bath water or some sort of water source for birds near your dahlia patch. Also install um, 
bird houses, my favorite to install are wrens, house wren boxes, because house wrens have multiple generations in a year. Um, so one wren moving in means that very quickly you're going to have 10 wrens um, and they're all hungry all the time. Yeah, Bam is going to say they're heavy feeders during those. Yeah, yeah. that time. Yeah, yeah, when they're trying to feed their babies and then the babies come out. And I, I, um, I consider the wren my um, spirit bird because they can't sit still. They are constantly moving, constantly working. Um, and so they'll do a lot of work for you. So put, put water out for them, put houses out for them and plant some low hedges, mixed hedges near your dahlia patch where they can make nests and feel safe from hawks and stuff. Um, that's really, really been exceedingly helpful um, for my own dahlia pest control. What's what's one of your uh, secret weapons over there? Well, I got a couple, but I'm going to 100% agree on the birds. So my dahlia field is bordered by on two sides by a forest and a hedgerow on the third. Mm. And I just have a plethora of wildlife that comes through here, including woodpeckers that will go through the lawn and get the grubs from the beetles. Yes. yes. And, <laughs> and I just installed purple mountain, pur, purple Martin houses Ooh. on the property uh, to help again with pests because they yeah. do make a difference. Um, if you they really do. There is yeah. one new thing that I tried this year and you had mentioned to me that corn borer Yes, yes. Particularly uh, offensive to you. <laughs> yes. So for, for the record, for anybody who doesn't know what corn borer is, it's, it's ultimately a moth. But first, uh, it's a, a little worm. And um, the moth, the parent moth, lays eggs on the stem of, of a dahlia or corn. That's, its, I think, you know, its mm -hmm. natural um, habitat, but they love dahlias. So they lay, they lay the eggs on the stems of the dahlias. The dahlia stems are hollow which is perfect for when the little um, worm hatches, bores into the center of the hollow dahlia stem and sets up shop. And so what it does is it kills off the top of your dahlias, which was very frustrating to me as a grower <laughs> early on and I didn't know what was happening. So yeah, the life cycle is so important to understanding how to address this pest. I installed a product called a Dynatrap. It's D-Y-N-A-Trap, T-R-A-P. And it's an insect trap that uses uh, titanium dioxide, like as a coated surface. Okay. And that um, produces CO2, which um, attracts pests. It also uses UV fluorescent light bulbs, and that attracts other pests, like moths and yes. you do need to have an electric source so this be plugged in and my unit covered an acre which was perfect for my area and I just had it hanging on a post out by my dahlia patch um, it also takes care of mosquitoes so I didn't what? have to work in mosquitoes yeah and um, it worked wonderfully and so I tracked which bugs I was getting and had mosquitoes, obviously, but moths were the other biggest thing, um, including the corn borer moth. <laughs> I did not have a single plant succumb to corn borer this year. Really? Okay, so wait, just to reiterate, Dyna trap, D-Y-N-A trap. Yeah, right? it's a yep, it's about $150. Okay. And yep, run an electric cord out to wherever your patch is and hang it right there. Um, and it'll produce a blue light and it has, it produces carbon dioxide based on this metal. And then also has this really quiet fan that sucks 
the pests that come in what? down into this trap that they can't get out. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So, but this is different than like the pheromone traps that right. I've always been told, don't put those out because that attracts more pests. So, this know, is just they... bringing the moths into the light wow. and the carbon dioxide, the mosquitoes come in. It also claims to do beetles. I didn't catch a single beetle, okay. um, but it was mainly different types of um, moths, which were also important for the armyworm season that was about Ooh. to come up. Um, but let me just finish this and say, I no longer have this device. Oh no. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know. I know. I'm just saying that two educated grown adults couldn't change the light bulb in this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah. I, it's incredibly difficult. And then when I went back and read the reviews, the other people were having problems. In fact, it's still sitting in my garage and I should oh return gosh. it. I don't know. It works. It worked for corn borer. I would like to try it again if I could maintain it. Um, right. So, so the, light, the light bulbs last about three to four months. So you will have okay, to replace them during ask. a season. Yeah. Okay. And you, you do have to empty the trap. Um, so bugs are going to collect there and it's really easy to tw twist on and off. And I just took the dead bugs over to my woods okay. and dumped them and whatever. Yeah. So that part yeah. wasn't hard at all. Well, I mean, I, not that it's great that you can't keep reusing it. Um, hopefully they'll figure, you know, there'll be some adjustment to the engineering there, but 150 bucks for decent, possibly really great pest control. It doesn't involve any chemicals or any extra time on your part where you don't have to go apply things and all that. That's, that's a pretty decent investment, actually. I mean, that, that seems like it's worth it to me. Yeah. I mean, there's some um, chemicals you can purchase that are that price tag. So yeah, yeah. Exactly. Anyway, there's a nice right. thing to maybe try for at least working with a mosquito-free right. environment. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's worth it for that alone. <laughs> we also have these little, like, I don't know, I don't even know exactly what they are, but they're like little gnats, very, uh, very bitey gnats. Yes, at they'll take farm. care of that too. They do? Uh, yes. I'm, I'm going to the Dino Trap site right now. I'm going to buy one, and I can't wait. <laughs> So I'm from the place that has the best return policy. That's all right. I'm exactly. That's what I should probably do. Or, or maybe like if we all do this collectively together, one of us will figure out how to change the light bulb, and then we'll all win. Post in the show notes, people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If anybody figures it out, let us know. Yeah. Um, so that was an amazing find for me this year. Unfortunately, it stopped working just as the army worms. That's a huge problem uh, for me and my dahlia okay. pack. See, I've Not never only, had those. So let's talk about them now. That's one thing are, that hasn't been. Uh, yeah, so they can come in different ways and they have different um, life cycles through the season, but I only see them in the fall and I am surrounded by cornfields, soybean fields. And so they can come into your field by a moth or they can actually, when they harvest a field, like corn, soybeans yeah. or whatever they happen to be in, they will literally march across the land <gasps> until they find another food source, which could ah! be your dahlia patch. <laughs> They're detrimental in many ways to me because they will destroy the bloom because they'll feast on that bud, not on the plant or the leaf, but the specific flower the bud. bud. Okay. And that also destroys my seeds for my hybridization process. Oh, so, no. Yeah. So it's, it was my Dyna trap failed. I've had bugs marching in and what was I going to do? And so I did some research and if there's one thing that I can help people understand pest is to look at your local 
like a, a local source about the pests that you're facing. So like yeah. for us in Pennsylvania, we have Penn State Extension Office, um, Penn State University does a lot of research and they actually have a guide. And this is my go-to, which is Vegetable Integrated Pest Management with an emphasis on biocontrol book. I mean, they weren't thinking about marketing when yeah, they made this right. title. <laughs> But it lists, I'm going to say, 30 different of the most common pests that I see in our area in our mid-Atlantic region. And it talks about their life cycles, what you can learn about them, what they look like in adult form, egg form, larva form, whatever. And then it gives you um, three different ways that you might address um, treating the pest, whether it be uh, other biologics, other insects, um, other mechanical things that you could do. Um, to help you mitigate the, the pest pressure. So that is my one resource that I refer to every year on pests. Nice, nice. I think I've looked that up somewhere during the past, but I never really thought to bookmark it. And now that you mentioned that, I'm like, wait, why don't I just have that? Yeah, I mean, it's about 40 bucks. I got the print copy and it has a really nice yeah. sturdy coverage spiral okay. bound so you can open it up. But when I was having this army worm problem, I knew that... Um, BT, that basilis. We all know what it is. BT would BT. take care of it. But through this book, I realized there's different strains. So if I just would have went to Lowe's or whatever place and bought BT, because it is readily available, yeah. it was not going to do anything. I needed a specific strain. So I got BT and then strain 1857. Oh, uh, yeah, like it's very specific. And this was very specific to army worms. And what it did was, is I sprayed this um, biological and in uh, insecticide onto my plants and it didn't affect any pollinators. Mm, good. Uh, it was only if it was ingested and it had to be ingested at a specific stage. So the younger the, the worm was, um, the more readily it was killed. And what happens is it kind of destroys their digestive tract and they they um they die yeah. and I had to do a lot of internet searching to find this one strain so that's why advanced uh research is necessary <laughs> but what but it I got found them is, under control then did it work it did like, it did you yeah. had to spray every three to four days because it doesn't okay. last forever on your plants okay but I could combine this bt with the biological fungicide I was using and only spray once because, you know, I've just expressed my desire to spray all the time to you earlier <laughs> or not. <laughs> or not. <laughs> uh, so I called the company just to confirm that I could combine these two products because yeah. they had very similar mechanisms and shelf life and I could do it only once. And that saved me a ton of time and backache having to haul around this yeah. in the backpack. Um, but yeah, so the army worms, I got very specific. I used my um, local resource and then found the specific strain that I needed. So what was the fungicide though? That was an addition? Yeah. So I, I used actinovate. Oh yeah. Think, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. kind of out there. It's a little more expensive. Yeah. Um, it suppresses the soil bo soil borne funguses that are out yeah. there and it kind of colonizes on the plant. So you can drench the soil. So like, let's say with my dahlia tubers, I can dust them with this product and then plant it. And this fungicide will help protect them because it'll colonize on the roots. Um, in the same way I can spray the leaves. And so I was preventing powdery mildew from coming in. Yeah. Um, and so that lengthens my cutting season, keeps the plant healthier for producing more root tubers and also protects my seed crop because if the seed crop gets mildew on them, 
they don't ha have very good seed quality. Yeah, yeah. And that actinovate is is very expensive, but it basically, for anybody that's um, listening who doesn't know, it's, it's almost like a, a mycorrhizal relationship. So it, yeah. it, they sell it as, as a fungicide, which could turn people off, but it's not... I guess they do that because they're trying to make sure it's getting to the right customers. But ultimately, it's just a it's a mycorrhizal relationship, you know, that forms with a plant. So um, I consider that very, very uh, helpful and safe to use in my fields. Um, the the downside is the expense. It's <laughs> it's pretty <Yeah>. pricey. <laughs> And it so doesn't last forever. It's a live yeah. product. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, you're right. That's why you could only do it once. Yeah, you need a, you have to buy it either in a very small packet or a very big packet. <laughs> and then it only lasts for, it was it six months? Maybe it's not even. It, yeah, it's not even that, though. I still have it. You keep it in the refrigerator. That will help. Yeah. Um, I have some leftover from last year still, but you know what? I'm still going to dust my tubers with it. Yeah, you <laughs> might as well. Because I have it. <laughs> it <can't> hurt. <laughs> Can't this would be a product that you um, make a friend and right, then share exactly. the product. And share. Yeah, good. That's one of the best beauties of the flower farming world is you can usually make a friend. So <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about any other. Um, so two other pest control things that I wanted to talk about was um, skunks, my love of skunks, which a lot of people um, would get terrified if they saw a skunk at their farm. But the reality is skunks are really gentle, um, docile creatures. They do not want to spray you unless you happen to threaten them. They're nocturnal, generally speaking, and they only come out at night. Why you want skunks at your farm is because they're very good at digging up grubs, <laughs> which you were mm -hmm. talking about, your woodpeckers. Um, skunks will do the same thing. So skunks have been, uh, I have a family of skunks here at my farm, and they've been um, critical to the depletion of Japanese beetles in particular, because they dig up those grubs um, all year long. They're really, really into that. So um, I love skunks too, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> And then I wanted to talk about controlling slugs because that is another major pest for me. So um, do you have any uh, secret sauce for slugs out there? I don't have an issue with slugs. One or two might come up. Um, they might destroy my strawberry crop, but they don't yeah. go out to the field so much. But uh, no, I think learning about their life cycle and how they overwinter kind of helped yeah. me. Uh, so I clear all leafy debris out of my field, um, just because versus that's where me that puts all the leafy debris on. <laughs> I know when you mentioned that you had a slug problem and that you kept your dahlia tops down, I was yeah. like, nah, well. yeah, maybe, yeah. Um, well, the one thing I do use to help with slugs is a product called Sluggo, and you can get the Sluggo Plus, which is what I ultimately get. It is a granular product. Um, it's OMRI listed as an organic product. I think it works quite similarly maybe to like BT in the way that it just kind of, um, the slug eats it and then it just screws up the slug's digestive system and it dies. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's great. You just sprinkle that granular on the ground. Um, you know, about every three weeks is how often I do it until the plants get tall. You know, this is at the beginning of the season before the plants um, are really getting on any growth. Um, and that works really, really well. And if you get the Sluggo Plus, it also helps with earwigs, which I've never really had a huge issue with earwigs in my dahlias, but I do hear a lot of dahlia growers talk about earwigs. Do you have earwigs out there? I do. They're not usually a concern. I would say if um, ants cause me more problems than earwigs. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. 
Wait, what are the think. ants doing? I don't have any issues with ants. <laughs> uh, they attack a plant and they will build a mound around it. And usually I leave, like I lose one or two plants a year. I'm like, you know what? Okay, whatever. Just don't get my bracken rose, you know, like that's yeah. fine. Um, but no, this year they came out and I was losing dozens. <gasps> just they were attacking my seedlings, the new plants, and they would just consume them. I have no idea. So if anyone else has a clue. <laughs> yeah, knows what to do about ants. That's new to me. Yeah. Huh. I wonder what you could do. Well, I'm sure some southern growers that deal with like fire ants and stuff must have some sort of remedy for that. It's it's interesting. I considered, I tried to look up the species. I'm like, is this a new species that's moving yeah. in that I'm unfamiliar with? But it seemed to be such an odd behavior. I mean, it is 2020. I don't know. That's true. <laughs> if it comes back again, I'm really going to have to put some effort right. into it. Yeah. I, I do feel like a lot of weird things happened in 2020. So maybe it's just, it's just this year. So I it, will say with the slugs that you might read about using like copper tape, like if you were hmm. in raised beds, like one year I did dahlias in raised beds and I did have slugs there. Copper tape does nothing. Don't waste your yeah. money. <laughs> Oh, that's good to know. I have my space is way too big for copper tape, so there was no chance with that. I did try to use diatomaceous earth one time, um, but I didn't. I didn't see a lot of success with that. And then I now I'm going to forget. I think I think diatomaceous earth kills earthworms. I forget. It does something really bad too. And I was like, oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, anything with that. a soft skin, they're just kind of like basically yeah. it's little razors for them. So right. Yeah. So I I stopped that after after that one time. So I would, I would encourage people not to really give that a shot basically. So um, any other pests that you, I, I think those were my biggest, my biggest ones, but you got other boogeymans out there somewhere. So I mentioned that I try not to spray because of the pollinators. So I've used a lot of my energy and research to take care of my fall type of pests. So I'm not, you know, bothering them. So this year I'm really focusing on the earlier um, pests. So there's aphids. Um, yeah. I get a lot of leaf hoppers, different species, because I live right next to a wood. So these these little ones that look like prehistoric animals come over. Um, and they're they're getting the first year I noticed them. The second year it was an issue. This year it was a problem. Um, so their <laughs> their population's increasing. So oh, I was no. doing some research on those. So I'll be trying something new. And I think that's just a natural system people need yeah. to adopt, like they're to adjust and to be flexible and to research and to find new things um, and also share that information. So I don't have to put yeah. so much work into it. <laughs> <laughs> one, one test that I am more worried about, I, I just began to see it this past year and speaking of, you know, natural sort of evolution of things in a field, um, tarnished plant bug is now at my farm, yes. which I have not really had to fight you know, horribly in the past, but now I am worried. We're fortunately getting a cold winter finally, which I think was part of the reason it, it had managed to um, set up shop so much is because we had such mild winters, but I don't know. Have you had to, I don't really have other than my, my birds, which I rely on so heavily. I, I do know that they'll eat the tarnished plant bugs, um, but I don't know how else to combat that yet. And I'm not sure anybody does. They go in cycles like any other one. It wasn't a bad year last year. So that's also one of the product uh, bugs that I'm having on my list to try to affect. So um, I'm looking at a product called Venerate. I don't know if mm, you've heard yeah. of that at all. Mm -hmm. I've heard of that. I'm not used it though. And then Pyganic seems to be very popular. I haven't used that yet at all. Um, those two could have an effect on um, 
the uh, tarnish bugs, but you know, for me, I'm mainly looking for the thrips and the leaf hoppers and the aphids control. Yeah. And do you have much issue with mites in yours? That's one thing that I haven't actually had in a couple of years, but I now remember um, usually at the end of a hot, hot summer, sometimes I'd have plants that were just so sickly because of spider mites. Yeah, they'll come in just well, you're right, hot and dry, you're going to have a yeah. spider mite problem. Um, for me, it's more uh, preventative. So mm. I try to uh, get in there. And even if it's um, using the foliar spray to make sure mm. the plants are really wet during that yeah. time. Maybe that's why I don't have that yeah, as much you anymore. You might not be. You'll really yeah. dissuade them just because the environment's not favorable for it's them. It's damp. Yeah. Huh. Good. Yeah. You know what? It was probably about the time that I started foliar feeding that... I stopped having spider mites so much. I didn't even put that together. Hmm. <laughs> Another reason. <laughs> Another reason to pull your feet. Together, I we'll figure this out. <laughs> we'll just keep putting our brains together and it'll all make sense. Yeah. I know one thing that I do in my hoop houses, this isn't related to dahlias, but um, for anybody listening that might struggle with mites in your hoop house in a dry, hot summer, is I just take my hose and I just start spraying, you know, just kind of making the hoop house wet inside, which is kind of counterintuitive to what most production would call for, but I found really good um, late season mite control in a hoop house by just hosing it all down. <laughs> and then they're like, ah, we're getting out of here. <laughs> so, I know. Uh, I'm, I'm just encouraged that there are a lot of options available. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know. reach for the, for the heavy chemical immediately and just assume that's what needs to be done. And it's overwhelming. Like if you had to research every single pest to figure, you know what I mean? Like that's what I've done and I'm exhausted. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, and do you, do you think you'll put together any sort of resource about pest management for dahlias by any chance? Hint, hint, like, you know, an online course or a booklet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a, a course is in the works and it's just, anybody's experience does have value and you should look at it at it through the lens of what, you know, their environment is, their zone is, their trouble, you know, their things and, yeah. and what their goal is. Like if your goal is for complete annihilation, yeah, you know, it's yeah. not probably going to be the resource for you. Um, <laughs> but I'm growing and learning um, along with many other people. And so I'm also trying to create a space that my whole family can enjoy and be safe yeah. in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Every grower has their own regimen and you just have to discover what works for you and makes sense within the framework of your life. You know, how much time do you want to spend on it? Do you want people in your field? And um, do you want to use big equipment or you want to just be able to do something with a small sprayer? That kind of stuff for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So cool. Any other notes on pest control and dahlias? This has been like a fun little extra short. So I don't, I well, want to make sure I've picked your brain entirely. What else is in there? We might need to touch base again next year. <laughs> yes. Well, yes, clearly, you know, this is a repeat. <laughs> no, but it, it is, that's, that's a, you know, a testament to how much um, there is to just constantly learn, even, even though you specialized in dahlias and really honed in and clearly it is your passion and you've done heaps of research um, on this particular crop there's still so much more you need to learn and and myself as a really experienced grower there's still every year there's some some wrench that gets thrown in and you got to figure it out again you never actually know everything there's <laughs> there's flowers. no rest there's no rest <laughs> there's no rest 
That's pretty much How many it. people still want to grow dahlias? <laughs> yeah, why? Why people? No, I'm just kidding. Because they're gorgeous and they're yes. worth it and they break your heart every season in the best possible way because they're so, so beautiful. I can't tell the number of times, even after a dozen years of growing dahlias, that I will just, on a cool fall morning, I'll be out there harvesting like a mad woman, you know, given I've been harvesting dahlias since June, but I will still stop dead in my tracks at just one bloom and just like, I can't not stare at it, you know, for like a solid like minute, which is a long time to pause at a flower field. <laughs> I know they're intoxicating yeah. the petals, the formation, you can get lost in them. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that there's a dahlia for everyone, they're so diverse. Yeah, there really is. There really is. It's always amazing to me. So, uh, well, this has been so much fun. Let's definitely do it again another time next year. So thank you, Leanne. I appreciate all of your knowledge and that you've been so generous in sharing it with us. That's It's such a gift to everyone. So thank you. You're very welcome. Today's episode of No-Till Flowers was produced by Ginny Love of Love and Fresh Flowers with support from No-Till Growers. Special thank you to Nikolai Fox for the theme music, at Nikolai Fox on Instagram. Thank you to the Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash no-tillgrowers for making this show possible. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you are getting it and leave a review. That always helps us out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of No-Till Flowers.